Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Press Row. Behind-the-scenes stories from the world of sports media. Press Row. Inside and interviews from around the sports world. Now, here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Welcome back. Jonah Siegel here out in Seattle in the Press Row. And uh, after taking several months off to take a break, re-energize, recharge, think about things, uh, happy to be back in the recording studio, going to start writing again, just decide to take a break. Too much going on, too much craziness everywhere. I needed some downtime, some away time. And I'll be honest, you know, sports has uh, ebbs and flows. And I found a lot of it to be really depressing. Uh, not a lot of great stories in my mind. Um, teams disappointing, players disappointing. And I just felt like I personally needed a break. And uh, happy I did it and happy to be back. And with that in mind, I think you're really going to enjoy today's guest. He too took a break, um, decided to do less, some introspection. He's had an incredible career. I've been hounding him for years to do the show. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. He is none other than Ray Ferraro. So sit back, take a listen to the press row with Ray Ferraro. Welcome back in the press row. Jonah Siegel here out in it's Seattle. It's uh, that awesome time of year where we don't get to see sunshine and we get rain all the time. So I'm pretty happy. Just kidding. Um, back, back. Glad to be back. It's uh, It's been a while. And super thrilled to have sitting virtually across from me, someone who I've been hounding for a long time. <laughs> you used to hear him nightly. Now you hear him and see him not so much, but enough. Enough for his liking. Uh he has played a role in hockey and sports all along his career since he was a little boy all the way till today. He's from player all the way through broadcaster, father, husband. He is Ray Ferraro. Ray, how are you? Uh, I am great. I am. Uh, I'm just up the coast in Vancouver, and we have the same weather. <laughs> We're. <laughs> You get it. You get a little sun now, isn't it? And you're like, oh, I love it. And then it goes. You know, that first day, that first Monday after we changed times and it got dark at 401 and it started to pour. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Buckle up. This is going to be a fun couple of months. Well, honestly, I got back from Montreal. Uh, I was doing the Canucks game on Sunday. I got back yesterday, Monday and it's, you know, I'd been in the East for a week. And so I'm like, man, it's, I'm so tired. It, you know, it must be late. And I look at the clock, it's 8.30. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, this is just, this the worst. is just not what I thought it was, man. I, I never believed in seasonal depression until I moved here. And this time of year comes along. It, it is. It's a thing. I'm with you. It, it's always something that somebody else talks about, but it's a thing. Absolutely. You, you've you got to get out. You've got to find the sun for sure. Anyways, we're not going to talk about weather. There's people that get paid a lot, a lot yeah. of money to do that. And I'm certainly not going to be one of those people. So 
I uh, I was doing my research last night, and um, a little over 13 months ago, there was a pretty interesting article written about you by Bruce Arthur in the Toronto Sun. Mm. Toronto Star, sorry, Bruce. Toronto mm. Star. Um, about you taking a step back. And right. uh, so you've had time to go through that it's been over a year just curious how has it been i mean the article for those who want to find it it's called uh why ray ferraro stepped away from tsn and his hockey obsession the headline is is a little bit misleading because you certainly haven't stepped away mm. uh, you just said you just got back from a trip and i hear you and yeah. see you doing games but you've currently you, you've certainly step back a little bit you're not as everywhere as you used to be first tell everyone like what went into that thought process because it's it's a pretty remarkable story well it it's a long you know the decision seems sudden all the time it's like when you hear somebody's that that's an overnight success and then you realize they've been grinding away for 30 years to be this overnight success um since i turned 20 uh I turned pro in, in, I was in the American league, then the NHL. So from that time on, I've been traveling almost nonstop uh, through the winter months every year for hockey. And then when I retired into broadcasting and I was, you know, I've been really fortunate. I've worked with some awesome people and my career has in broadcasting has gotten to a place where I honestly, I, I just never, even thought of being a broadcaster. I thought of being a hockey player and then a hockey player. Like I never, I never thought of anything else. And I kind of fell into the broadcasting business and, you know, I got to a point where I'm, you know, I'm doing the world juniors, I'm doing the world championships, I'm doing Leaf games, which in Canada are by far the biggest uh, regional property. Um, and I'm, I'm doing 120 games a year. I'm flying 150 or 60,000 miles a year. And there was this point, it was just around 2018. And uh, I'm in Sweden at my son's, he's at this fabulous youth soccer tournament called the Gothia Cup. And I'm sitting with a friend of mine, one of the other dads. And, you know, it's like every other kid's trip. I mean, there's, it's chaos and, you know, <laughs> It's fun, but it's just chaos. And I and this guy is just like a rock through the whole thing, steady. So I ask him, you know, how one night we go for a coffee, which, you know, we just walk up the street, grab a coffee. And I, I ask him, why are you so calm? Like, why, why can you handle all this? And so without getting into a lot of psychology, the root is that I felt churn in my life all the time. And it wasn't good churn. It was... A lot of it, um, I got to be somewhere else. I, I'm not happy where I am or I'm not fulfilled, but why wouldn't I be fulfilled? I got, you know, I got four kids. I got a fabulous wife. I've got a great career and I'm, the churn is always there. And so this has gone on through, you know, some time now and um, through, you know, I, I learned a little bit about meditation, uh, which for me, for people that know me, or knew me, you know, it might've been like me saying, I'm going to learn five different languages next Thursday. Like, you know, it just wasn't going to be. And then I kind of grew a, 
back into a little bit of faith, like a faith in a faith. I like, there's something bigger there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I have faith in that. And it led me to, I'm not, I'm doing things and I'm not, I need to do less of them. I, you know, I, Cammy, my wife, Cammy, and I have a 16 and a 13 year old. I have older boys uh, that are 35 and 32 now. And I'm like, man, these younger guys, like, man, they're growing like incredibly fast. You hear it from every parent, but I should have known better. Right. And so I decided I, I got to step away every Christmas for 12 years. I was gone. Right. I, I was gone. I missed 12 Christmases. Sometimes the kids and Cammy came to where I was, but most times it's me in a hotel room. That sucks. It's brutal. And so I'm like, okay, I got to give up the world juniors. That was hard because I love that. I love that event. It's such a, in Europe and in, in when it's in Canada, it's just been great. I step away. I step away from the world championships. I step away from 25 Leaf games. I do, I'm now at ESPN and I do 60 games, but that includes the playoffs, right? So I went from 120 to 60. The change in my life, my marriage, my commitment and availability for my family, it's been a grand slam. It's been, it's been, I hoped it would be good. It's been better than that. Do you ever notice in the article, it talks about, I'm going to use the term snapping, like just standing in line waiting for, I don't remember the exact, whether it was a store, a rental car place, just having no patience and snapping. Have Have you caught yourself no longer doing that and actually just kind of smiling and going, old Ray used to snap over something like this and I don't anymore. Yeah. Well, I won't say it never happens anymore because you know, it's still there. Yeah. You know, it's still there, but I got to fight that, but I fight it less. Like I, um, there, there are things that happen uh, along, you know, man, I travel a lot. So if anyone that's traveled, you know, like that, those things don't just sail along. Correct. And I'll, I'll, something will happen. I'll deal with it like everybody else. And I'll go, wow, I can't believe I did that. Like in a good way. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to walking away and, and like having a, like self-loathing about like, what are you doing? Like, and a person's just, I don't know, doing whatever, but why would it, why would it kill the rest of my day? And so what I've found is like everything kind of feeds off itself. And so if I can be a little patient in the morning, then it kind of feeds through the day. I would start out like I get out of bed and I mean, I'm going right away. And I don't do that anymore. I get up a half an hour, 40 minutes early. I have a whole routine that ends with, you know, everybody knows like the, the three minute cold shower and all that. So I have this whole routine that I do. And when I get out of that shower, like I'm, I'm ready to start the day, but I'm in a completely different frame of mind that I feel like I can carry through most days. And when something goes sideways again, through this, you know, through the meditation that I've, that I continue to work at is I can take 30 seconds and kind of refocus myself about 
okay, it's time to settle. And like, I can, I can feel it. I feel this heat come through me and I'm like, it's time to settle. And I, and I'm able to do it way more than, than ever before. I mean, that, that just wasn't part of my personality before. So we don't know each other. We've never met. This is the first time we've actually seen each other face to face kind of yep. here. Safe to say that you're uber competitive, given what I know about you. How yeah. how how much of that uber competitiveness do you think is at the root of what you were talking about? Like, where do you think do you think that's the cause, if you will? Like, just having that constant yep. drive, that need to be successful, if you will. I'm not saying that's a bad uh, thing, by the uh, way. No, no, but you're very, very on point. Um, you know, Cammy, my wife, will, you know, whenever we talk about it, she will often say that, you know, about the double edge of the sword, and that what made me really successful as a as a hockey player, the second I leave, doesn't make me successful in dealing with other people. Um, I'm a really like even in you know in broadcasting like i i never i'm more comfortable now of course i've been doing it for 20 plus years but like my work my um research my want to know enough to make sure that i'm the best that i could be drive everybody else crazy and i mean in my house i'm i'm talking about yeah. and you know and so like i i i have no there's nothing in my life that would indicate um, being unhappy or um, being unsettled. You know, that churn I talk yeah. about. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had amazing parents, amazing parents and I, three brothers. And we lived out, lived in this small town called trail in, in uh, Southern British Columbia, Southeastern BC. And there, you know, I mean, there was no reason to feel that churn except I was in a fight every day. The problem was most people didn't know they were in the fight with me. I, I fought everything and everybody from Little League Baseball to uh, intramural sports in high school. I had a counselor call me in and say, we're playing intramural floor hockey at lunchtime. And he's like, man, you got, you got to back off a little bit here. I mean, like, it's intramural sports. You've got lots to play for. Lots of the other kids don't. And like, this is they're really enjoying it and you're not making it fun for them. I mean, like it's embarrassing to hear that yet. You think that fixed anything? Of course <laughs> not. I was, I was, you know, less competitive for 45 seconds and then I'm right back at it. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like it, it's a, it's a weird dynamic and one that I was for a long time. I didn't know how to handle it. I, I, I really didn't. So I would imagine that even as a pro, or especially as a pro, given what you've just told me, and you were really, you were successful, like super successful as a pro, and, and, and as, a, as a junior player. If somebody on your team wasn't living up to your expectations of effort, that would drive you crazy. You know, funny, maybe a little, but I was more about, I was more about myself. Um, I think, I think I could have been a better player had I learned to step back just a little bit and realize 
if the team won 5-2 and I didn't score, that was still okay. So I, I never, it's really selfish, you know, like it's um, like when I look at it and I've, I've always thought that I don't want my whole career back. I want the times back where I didn't quite appreciate like what I was doing, mm-hmm. but also that I was so tied up in my own personal success, but it was survival, right? It was survival that I was fighting that I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as right. much as, as I could have. Like if honestly, if we won five, two and I didn't score or have anything to do with it, I viewed that as man, everybody's looking at me like I didn't do my job. Wow. And so it's a, it's a torturous way to go through the, what was, I mean, I've no, no comparison, the greatest thing that I could have ever done. I mean, like I dreamed it when I was a little boy and then I got to do it. How many people really lived their dream? But for me, the, because I had to produce to stay, I wasn't big enough to be a physical player. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a good enough checker to stay in the game as a defensive center. I had to score. Mm-hmm. And there were times that we were in seasons where it was, you know, the puck doesn't go, you don't play as well. And it was torturous, it, it, you know? And so you can imagine the fight and the churn on those seasons compared right. to one that was going well. So have you forgiven yourself? And no, I'm not a therapist. I'm just curious. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, yes and no. Like sometimes I look at, Sometimes I look at a time in my life and I think, man, I just, I missed, I missed there, you know? And, um, but I can't change it. And all I can do is, you know, like I just keep pushing myself for, you know, I've got these sort of mantra things that I think about, you know, one more day and, you know, just, just like today literally is a new start. And, it's corny, I know, but it helps me because I, I just, I, I don't need to be the way I was, and so I, I still, I'm, I, you know, I'm still boxing myself about the way I was. Like I, one of my good friends, um, we were talking once about playing, and and he said he goes, yeah, but when you played, you were crazy, like you know, and. Mm-hmm. He didn't really mean it in a good no, way. No, no. Yeah. You know, I was like, I have more sticks that I broke in anger. And the other guys would be like, what the hell are you doing? And like, it would just rage through me. And then it broke a stick and I moved on. And, but they would be like, man, what's wrong with him? Like, it's just practice. Right. You miss the net. You slash your stick on the boards. It's the first time the coach noticed you missed the net. Right. Cause he's watching everybody. I think he's just watching me, but how much, so you, you speak often of your kids, both older and not so old. I won't call them younger. Yep. Um, yep. how much has all of this made you a better parent? Well, it was funny. I was making a snack for my, uh, 16 year old last night. He was doing some homework and my, uh, Landon, my, the 32 year old, he was here and he said, so, like, is he making you that? Like it was 10 o'clock at night. Like he's like every other teenager. He's got to eat five meals a day. 
And he goes, there's not a chance he would have made that. Right. You know, I, I probably would have said, well, what's wrong with your feet? Right. You know, you can't walk to the fridge and do this. And um, I, I, I like to think so. Um, I'd like to think I'm a better parent now. What I do know is I'm part of this competitiveness slash stubbornness that I had in my life um, was just realizing how much and accepting how much better uh, a parent Cammy is than I am and, and how much her way is the right way as compared to what I used to think was. And so um, that, that it, it, I don't know why this is, why this would be, but to, it was almost like prideful that I didn't want to accept her way because it was better and I could see it was better. And then just to kind of let that all go was, was helpful, really helpful for me. Well, it sounds like a whole lot of self-awareness and, and just listening to you, it certainly sounds like giving up a ton of professional responsibility has landed you in a much happier place. It, it has, but you know, what's crazy is it, it took so long and I'm like, why the hell couldn't I have gotten here earlier? Like that, that I, you know, you asked about regret. I would say that's one of my, if I have one regret, it would be that, that I never got here until I was 50. Like, why the hell couldn't I have figured this out at 40? Because it would have made a whole bunch of time for a lot of people a lot better. Yeah, I guess you could say, and you're not asking me, that was a rhetorical question, yeah. but at least you got it at 50 and not 70. Yes, I, I am. Yeah. Oh, see, I like that. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> I'm going to no, keep but... that because it's true. It really is true because some people get it when they're just in the, you know, the last walk of life. Oh, they... we, we all know people who've gone through life miserable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. never and never get it. It's a shame. It really is. I, I know somebody who interviewed me for a job who told me that his mentor had a job that required him to do cold calls every day. And he had a formula for how many cold calls he had to make every day in order to make a living. And the last part of his drive into, into work every day involved him driving over a bridge. And when he drove over the bridge, he used to scream because he knew how miserable his day was about to be. Right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, at least you got it when you got it and you've got time to enjoy yeah, it because God, right. yeah. God knows what tomorrow is going to bring. So yes. Yep. As you sit in or stand in between benches, mm -hmm. you know, you played, I hate to say it right a long time ago. Um, yes. You may have noticed the game and the people that play it have changed tremendously from the time you played uh, to the time your kids played, your older ones, uh, to the game today. Things are dramatically different. As somebody as driven as you are, and you say that you still are, that, that burning mm -hmm. desire is still there. It's got to be, as you sit in between the benches, you hear what you hear, you see what you see. How does that affect you, that the, the the psyche of the game of the, of today's player is so much different than it was when you played. 
honestly, having kids age 35 to 13 really helps me Okay, because nothing is the same as it was 25 years ago. And so there is less anger in the game today. There's less conflict than there's, than there's been. I mean, playoffs are different, but like, so you, you give the example of between the benches and you know, lots of times you're crossing paths with the other team as you're getting to your bench, they're getting to theirs. And oftentimes somebody would give you a slash in the back of the legs or give you a shove. You'd do the same thing just because yeah. there was no real reason. Well, now that, for example, I'll generalize that never happens. You know, like the guys, they do what they should do. They go to their benches unless they've got a problem with somebody. But in most cases that it's not there, there's way less talk between the players than there used to be. Um, the, the game is played in a different style. And I see, I think there are old guys that are old and then there are old guys that are nimble. And despite what I already told you, I think I'm nimble. Like I, I can really appreciate the game for what it is. I look at these players, um, that, that can do just incredible things on the ice and the game is different. They're different. Like, you know, so I'm a big baseball fan and uh, I don't even know how many years ago when Jose Batista hit that home run against Texas and threw his bat, the big bat flip. Yep. There was all this controversy <clears throat> in the moment. I'm like, he shouldn't do that. There's no <laughs> way he should do that. When I look back at that now and you take, the story of what was going on in that game, in that series, like, of course he should have done that. And so when guys flip their bat now or um, celebrate a, a strikeout or a home run or uh, a guy celebrates a goal, I have no problem with it. I don't care that we didn't used to do that. Who said we were right? Like, I, I just... So I can accept the differences of the game. I do wish there were a few things that were a little bit different, but that would be in anything. Yeah, for me, when you talk about, like, for me, a guy goes into the corner and he gets creamed from behind, dirty, and somebody mm -hmm. goes in and beats the snot out of him and it turns into a fight. I don't have a problem with that. The, okay. game, the game starts... And two thugs line up against each other and drop them as the staged fight. To me, that's stupid. I, I don't have any. I have no time yeah. for that. See, I don't. I, I have no problem with that either. You know what I hate? When somebody delivers a clean hit and they get challenged to a fight. Correct. That. So I. I think that guy should. I think that guy should tell. If you're coming to challenge me after I make a big hit. I should tell you, beat it. Correct. Scram. Why do my, I got to fight you? My point was the Bautista hit, the flip to me yep. was raw emotion. And I think the one thing that's yep. actually missing in sports today is that. I actually wish we got more raw emotion out of these guys. I think so many of them hide it and are so concerned about it because of social media and things that the odd time that we actually see raw emotion 
is rare that it's fantastic to see. And I wish we actually saw more of it, but that's... Yeah, I can give you an example of that too, is that when we we often complain that athletes are uh, boring, uh, their interviews are rote, um, blah, blah, team this, yeah. we did that. And when somebody says anything outside of the norm, the talk shows are loaded the next day. What did he mean? Did he really mean that? Did he... Like, so... No wonder the guys don't say anything. Right. Why would they put themselves out there to be ridiculed and criticized for answering a question that somebody asked? So I, yeah. again, I rarely have problems with with somebody speaking off the cuff. I I rarely have a problem with that. I'm like, that's what he thought, yeah. and you don't like it. Well, maybe he would have thought differently in an hour but you didn't ask him the question in an hour. You asked no. him now. So you're, you're one of the more thoughtful broadcasters out there. You, you can tell you, you think about things mm -hmm. differently. Um, maybe it's experience. The question about why Canadian teams have, haven't been as successful over the last, Oh, I don't know my lifetime. Um, mm -hmm. What's your answer? What what do you think? And and, and I, I I'm hoping I'm going to lead the witness here, so to speak. It can't be the attention of the Canadian media. That just can't, I'm hoping that's not going to be the answer. But I'm really curious why you think the Canadian markets struggle jointly in in achieving success. Well, jointly, I don't know because what happens in Vancouver shouldn't matter to Ottawa to Calgary, like why to Winnipeg, why does this, how can it be that seven teams, let's call them one team, but it's a, a seven team conglomerate can't get anywhere. How does that happen? Like how does Florida get to the finals last year with a, you know, they barely get into the playoffs. Why, why hasn't there been a Canadian team put that run together since the Canadians did in 93? Like that's, abs that's absurd. It's crazy. Correct. I think if I were to, to generalize, I would say it's impatience. And I often hear, oh, you know, this market can't stand a rebuild or this market. I disagree. Now, again, I'm not the owner who, if I say it, I'm going to rebuild, honestly, you can look through recent NHL history. I mean, in the last 20 to 30 years, it's seven or eight years by the time you turn the bus around, if you're going to really do a rebuild. And I can see that the owner might say, yeah, you know what? I It's going to cost me a hell of a lot of money. And I still got to pay $75 million in salary every year. So that's a half a billion dollars in salary over seven years. Mm, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I get that. But I, I think the... I think the biggest issue is impatience and the need to be a winner yesterday because it just, it can't happen. It just, clearly it can't happen. This isn't my opinion. This is the fact of the last 30 years is that it can't happen that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you're not saying it's the media because that, that would just be a joke. Because there's people out there who say the media. Well, but attention. see, I think that I think the media and the fans all play into the impatience of the team. Because whether the teams want to admit it or not, of course you notice 
what the narrative is around your team? The, the simple answer is you shouldn't care. If you have, if you have a plan that you're confident in, you should execute that plan to the best of your ability without pressure from some guy writing an article or some group of fans that want you to change the power play. I'm not saying they decide their, their means by that, but yep. it, it, it must be really difficult to put up a deflector shield all around your organization. But quite frankly, that would be the best way to go. I mean, it just seems to me that if you're in one of those positions and we talked off air about how hard it is to get those positions mm. that, you know, you don't need Brian Hayes or Jeff O'Neill or anybody to tell you that things are going shitty. You know, things are going shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, like, it's like, it's the, like the, in a, it's like in a market. Okay. So my wife is in management now with the Canucks. And when they took over, of course, they're, you know, they're trying to reestablish the way they want to do business, which the reason they're there as management as management is because the last management got to a point and couldn't advance work. things. Didn't work. So a new management gets a chance and you establish what your template is going to be. And in that time, you know, there's all kinds of talk that, oh, the Canucks got added defenseman. Well, if the media and the fans know, do you think the management knows? They've probably come to that conclusion somewhere along the line, to your point. Right. Like when Hayes and Owen Noodles and, you know, in Toronto, I, I think, by the way, my favorite show to do. I just, I love going on with those guys because we talk about, I, I it sometimes I hang up and Cammy will say, how did you get to there? I'm like, I don't even know. And it's so fun. But, uh, you know, they talk about the Leafs a lot, of course. And everything is dissected down to the nth degree. But the management knows. Of course they know. But you, what is crazy is, like, I'm, I'm looking at an article. They're like, you know, should the Oilers trade for Linus Olmark? Well, I don't know. If the Oilers think so and the Bruins say no, then it doesn't matter what the Oilers think. Right. Like you can't, like there, this happens all the time. And of course, I'm more sensitive to it now, again, because I'm looking at it more from a management mindset, even though I'm not in management and I have no idea. I used to know more about what was going on with the Canucks before Cammy got into of management course. than I do now. I know nothing. She closes, we got a barn door over here. When she goes in there and closes the door, I got no idea what's going on in there. So, they, they, the, the talk becomes, this is the way forward, but you can't just go make it happen. You can attempt to make it happen, but if the guy you're calling at the other end thinks it's a terrible idea, well, then it's dead and heard, you got to try something else. I heard Mark Shapiro being interviewed and uh, it's something that actually stuck with me. He said that of, of, you know, fans talking about trade rumors and trade suggestions. He said, mm -hmm. just so you know, we've got a room full of people with computers and Excel spreadsheets that do nothing but contemplate things like this. I guarantee yeah. you every single 
possible combination that anyone throws out there gets discussed in that room. And I thought that was actually hilarious. Well, it it is even like, you know, do you think like they have their scouts, right? The amateur scouts and then the pro scouts. Do you think they don't meet or have no, but this, no, but this No, but this was saying like there's a room of, for lack of a better right. word, computer but, geeks that are sitting there going... Yeah. All right, let's look my, at my every... point. My point, to, my point is any position that they would like to improve upon, they've conjured up 43 scenarios, and 39 and a half of them have no chance of happening. But they're like, in the odd occurrence that it might, you got to be ready. And money being what it is, especially yeah. in hockey with a cap, like, um, if you, if you had, if you were the Kraken, forget that, because there's some sensitivities there that you were, your wife was part of the team. So let's not use the Kraken. Right. There's a new NHL team coming. Okay. Nobody's protected. It's a, it's an actual draft. Who are your four? You can pick four players off of any roster. I'm limiting it to four. Who are your four players that you're picking? And you can pick any four. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to go right up the gut first, and I'm okay. going to go Vasilevsky. Okay. Makar. Yeah. McDavid. It's a lot of M's. Just saying. There's there's lots, but I mean, like now I need a fourth player. Yeah. And I might not pick another forward. Mm-hmm. I would probably pick another defenseman. I wish you would have said you got three guys, because the first three were pretty easy for me. That's why I picked it's the fourth. fourth. Yeah, it's the fourth one that's that's the real issue. Um, Hughes, Fox, McAvoy, Heiskanen. Um, I would Drysidle, Matthews, Pasternak. I only get four, eh? Only four. I'm kind of I'm kind of <laughs> stuck here. You know, I'm a little bit stuck. Um, right. I'll go on to a different question. You can think about the fourth. How's that? I would probably, as much as I would, I will say my favorite player to watch in the NHL right now is David Pasternak. Okay. I just love watching him play. But since I'm starting a team, what I think about Connor Mc, or uh, uh, Connor Bedard, because he's 18. Right. You know, we're not we're not building the team for today because I'm you're only giving me four players. Right. And so. I might think about him. Um, but if you have another defenseman, then you got two guys that can play 27 minutes a night. That's That seems helpful. <laughs> All right, so we have some, some fan questions for you. Oddly enough, Leaf-related. So the first one is, why does Sheldon Keefe always, I'll change the word, mess with his lines when his lines seem to be clicking? It seems like when he does that, the team tends to lose momentum. Well, I I don't know when that would be. Um, I mean, Matthews and Marner play together all the time. McDavid and or um, uh, Tavares and Nylander play together all the time. If you're asking about that third guy on the line, that would be the same almost anywhere. Um, most coaches like a pair, and they would love to leave the lines alone, but they they often have a pair of forwards together and then they might move a third player in and out of that, that third spot on the line. 
as far as the bottom six, he changes that bottom six all the time because they've been grossly ineffective. And he's looking for something that he puts together that hits. Like the other night, that fourth line that they had, and, uh, you know, they called up Bobby McMahon. Uh, and he looked good at the end of last year. He had a good camp, then he got hurt. And maybe they've, maybe he's their left winger on that line. Like, you know, maybe Noah Gregor and Camp, and you might have a line you can play 10, 12 minutes a night on some nights. Like, he, they're going to keep moving people around until they find something that hits on a regular basis because they haven't had it in the bottom six for sure. Do you think that the um, the impending rise in the cap, which is going to be significant because we haven't had one in 67 years, it seems. It seems like it doesn't. It? <laughs> is going to make trades more uh, fruitful. There's going to be more of them this year. People are going to be more willing to do things this year because they know the cap is going up. Oh, I don't know. I'll give you two examples, two Canadian teams. Um, cap's going up $4 million, let's say. Um, that's awesome. That's a lot of money. Oh, Leafs have Nylander. Yeah. There goes most of your $4 million. Canucks have Pedersen. There goes all of your $4 million. Right. So to keep the same team, you're already back at the cap. Right. So I, I don't think so. I, I would love the league to somewhere somehow look because he can't get rid of the cap because it's already there to look at the possibility of uh, each, each June 25th, right after the draft, a team would have to declare for the next year, their designated player, just one that salary comes out of the cap and goes into the designated player. So let's say the, um, the cap is, going to be $85 million next year. Uh, the Leafs have McDay or uh, geez, I always screw that up. The Leafs have Matthews at 13 million. So they take 13 million, pull it out of the cap. And now they've got 85 million. Right. And some teams will choose not to do that. And some teams will choose to do that, but it's all the cap still is based on the, uh, revenues 50 50 split mm -hmm. like the cap stays the same but you're allowed to pull out one salary right and the reason is each year you would pull out your highest salary so the next year if you choose say william nylander says i'm only coming back for 15 million dollars i just made that up no, of no, course I got it. and so they could say oh yeah next july 1st nylander is the salary out of the cap and but it, the base the cap is the same but it, I think what it would do would allow some movement of players. And the reason I think this is important is trades drive energy. They drive interest. They drive fan engagement. I mean, look at the NBA. I don't, do you ever try to follow what the hell they're doing? Like <laughs> when they make a trade, you're like, oh, they didn't trade deck chairs here. Right. They're monumental. Yeah, teams change their whole way. Wouldn't it be cool if you could do that? Well, I have some bad news for you. Until the guy at the top retires, yeah. nothing's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, oh, I, I'm I'm well aware it's not happening, <laughs> but 
I've got all kinds of things <laughs> that I would, because I think the game's really good. I don't think you should ever stop trying to improve it. Oh, I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the business. No, no, side. but I'm I'm saying with the cap too. I think there's lots of things that are really great, but I don't think you should ever stop trying to improve it. How how quickly do you think a GM needs like how how we'll, we'll go back to the leaps for a second. The guys that he signed in the offseason are are struggling. All of them. Yeah. At what point do you raise the white flag and say, "Oops, like I screwed up." Okay, but what does that mean? Put them on waivers. Put them in the minors. I mean, I don't think any of now, those. you guys... know, you can only bury you can only bury so much money in the minors. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. But like, what yeah. other choice? Yet you... there is Robidas Island, but but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, how much time is enough time? Because I would imagine the pressure on that guy right now is pretty immense. His own pressure, his boss's pressure, and then God knows <clears throat> what the board is doing to him. Right. Well, I would I would say that um, Klingberg was a big swing on a player that was trending downward. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've not been a Klingberg guy for a little bit of time because I, I think the best part of his career is, is past. And it, you know, I, I don't even know why I got to qualify this, but that happens to everybody there. You have good years and then you have less than good years. And sometimes you know what you need to do. Your body just doesn't allow you to do it anymore. And I, I just feel like Klingberg, um, you know, for the money that they spent, there probably wasn't a lot of options there to try and improve the defense. Now, if you're if you're going to make a trade, Klingberg's got to be in it because you're going to need the money going the other way for whoever you're going to bring in. Um, so part of this is each guy is a little bit different. I, I don't know why they went three years and a million three with Ryan Reeves. I don't get it. Um, I understand all the things that he brings to the team off the ice, but on the ice, you can't fight yourself. There are no players like him. It takes away, like I would be, I wouldn't be terrified me as a player about Ryan Reeves because while he could pick me up and throw me over the glass at a moment's notice, he wouldn't waste his time on somebody of my yappy right. play. He might skate by and punch me in the nose at some point, which happened plenty of times, but he, he, his, his portfolio is an empty one because there's nobody really to hold accountable anymore because the game's not played like that anymore. So the next time they play Boston, if Milan Lucic isn't in the lineup, what, what him. is, what's he going to be able to do now? You, I know there are fans that say, well, he should hold Marchand accountable for the injury to Timothy Lilligren. So the way the game is, if he chases Marshand around or he gets Marshand, boy, if I'm Mitch Marner, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> right? Because what's yeah. the point? You're not going to fight Ryan Reeves. You're going to lose. Right. So in today's game, I don't understand the rationale. that. Mm -hmm. um, Max Domi is, is trending the right direction. They got him off the wing into the middle. Max will have... Um, 
a wavy year. You know, there'll be some good, some bad, and but far too early to, mm-hmm. you know, to panic there. And and I, the the one thing with Bertuzzi is he doesn't play with a lot of pace. And so um, he is good around the net. He's got good hands. He's not scared to go in there uh, into what is a, a semi-difficult area to get into. Um, but I don't know if he's the right guy to to play on the Matthews line. I think he's better suited on Tavares's line. And then that gets to another new guy, but he's a you know, highly touted draft pick, and that's Matthew Nyes. And what's he ready to do? You know, where, where can he play? And, you know, time will tell you that because he's a, he's a really good player. So if, if nothing else, the last couple of seasons have taught us that time is really important and what you do in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third mm-hmm. quarter is pretty irrelevant as if you can make it to the playoffs, especially if you can make it hot right. into the playoffs, anything can sure. happen. So right now you've got Yeah, but you better not play yourself out of the playoffs. Correct. Early on like like now, you know, of course the Oilers make their coaching change and um they don't have to get into a full sprint yet. But they got to pick the, they got to pick their jog up here a little bit, right? So if they go in the next 30 games, if they go 6 and 4, 6 and 4, 6 and 4, you know, they're fine. Right. But like they're right in the mix. So how does that happen while well, the goalie plays like an NHL goalie again, which I think he will. And Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and Darnell Nurse get get on track to the, you know, McDavid and Draisaitl, of course, to the level of expected production. Because if they don't get there, it doesn't really matter what else Correct. happens. Yeah, and then in your backyard, the team's playing pretty damn good. Yeah, they are. This is uh, this is a different team. Um, I, I, I got to say, I'm really impressed with with Rick Tockett. That was my next um, question. And the reason I'm impressed is he's so consistent. Like the the message that he delivers. Now, of course, we don't know what it is uh, privately, but the message he publicly delivers, which, of course, the players, whether they say they hear it or don't, they do, is the same all the time. He talks about predictability. He talks about a business. Um, there's no frill to what what he talks about, which is the way he played. And by the way, about guys that I you would be fearful of, he was one. Because if he he would get angry enough, and if you happen to be in the neighborhood, that was a bad place to be. Right. Talk was tough. Tough. He was a great hockey player. Really good. So you know, Mike Yo. And uh, Sergey Gonchar and Adam Foot make a seem to make a really good staff. Um, you know, Quinn Hughes has had a phenomenal start. Um, you know, Pedersen's a hell of a player. Miller, his connection to Miller and to turn Miller, help Miller see what he could be. Like JT Miller as a centerman, a matchup center, would be hard to play against because he's a little bit mean, he's big. He's skilled. Like he would be a hard guy to play against. And they've become a hard team to play against with a tremendous goalie 
like one, of, in my opinion, one of the best five in the league. And um, yeah, they're off to a great start. So to, to just to finish this, they've already put these points in their back pocket. They're already there. It's money in the bank. And so, you know, I keep reading these, you know, the analytical article about, oh, there's going to be a, a regression. Oh, you think? <laughs> like, like, of course there is. Like, it's like saying Vegas is going to have a regression. Well, Vegas is not going to win 12 of every 14 games. Right. That just doesn't happen. So, but, yes, they'll have this, and I just think they're better equipped to ride a storm out. Injuries, of course, are always the wild card to most anything in, in sport. All right, two quick questions, then I'll let you go. The easy one. You're sitting next to Gary. You're on the. You're on the. You're on his board. Someone walks into the office and says, "I have a check for an expansion team in your favorite city and mine, Atlanta. Are you approving it or not? Knowing what you know." Um, it's a big check, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a big check. <laughs> Um, from that, that scene, be... that that scene from my favorite movie of all time, one of my favorites, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, oh, where, yes. where, where Dean Martin says, "You don't really understand the amounts involved here." Yeah, <laughs> yes, you don't. <laughs> that was the Thornton School, the, the, the Mellon School, school of, of Business. business wasn't... That's right. That's exactly yes. right. <laughs> um, okay, so I will say this: where they're talking is. It's kind of Atlanta, but it's kind no, no, of it's not. The, it's the suburbs. And so I don't know enough about that area. The fact that it's the third time, of course, gives me great pause. Yeah. Um, you better be sure. Like you, the, the business plan has to be a lot different for Atlanta than maybe some other places, just given the history of what's been now the first one so long ago i don't even know what you can compare the second one they were just an afterthought with the turner business world right to put another tenant in phillips arena they had the basketball team which is what they want and they had the braves and yeah and oh yeah by the way uh, whatever's left over in the budget thrasher guys that's what you get so not knowing enough, I'm going to say yes, because there seems to be a lot of momentum towards it. Okay. All right. Last question. I like four today. I don't know why. So fast forward to the spring. Mm -hmm. Who's your final four? Well, Vegas for sure. Um, that's one. Yeah, yeah. This four thing is really problematic. Well, isn't we it? we do have we do have semifinals, so this one kind of yeah. does make sense. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. So I'm I'm pulling up right now. I need this is how my brain works. I need to look at the standings right now, which I'm going to pull this up. Give me ten seconds. No problem. It's your time. Um. Hmm. By the way, how the hell is Boston? 
11, one and two again. Weren't they going to fall back? It's well, so, was, they well, just so made... was Vegas. So was Vegas though. That's what everyone said. They made all these ridiculous yeah. moves to win the cup. They won the cup and now they're going to pay for it for seven years. That that's what or the they talking, might... that's what the talking heads or... told us. I was in Vegas yeah. the morning after the cup. Or they might win three more times. Right. You, you know, you just can't be sure. Um, I, I, I hesitate to say Boston because I, I think at some point their offenses or lack thereof um, right. is going to, is going to so bite that, them. So, so I'm confused. Is that two or is that not two? Cause we still have Vegas. That's not, no, nah, you know what? I don't think, uh, can they get out of there? No. I think Carolina is going to figure it out. I really do. And by the way, their coach, he was tough too, by the way. Oh, and was he, he was so good. He should be in the hall of fame. Correct. Rod Brindamore should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to say... Okay, so we got Vegas, Carolina. Tampa can't do it. Um, Rangers. Okay. Rangers, Carolina in the East. Vegas, Dallas. There you go. Your final four. Oh, I hate my picks. Do you ever do that? You make the, the moment you make your picks and you're like, you know, like, so we got to send in all these, like, who's going to win this right. award and all that. Every year I send in my choices. Yeah. And as soon as I hit send, I go, I hate my picks. <laughs> I can't stand them. It's, I, I don't know. You could sit there and box these things around forever. And you'll never get it where you're comfortable, I don't think. Well, I've taken enough of your time. I really appreciate you doing it. It's fantastic having you on. You are the voice that played consistently through COVID in this house. Because <laughs> the way my son... Let you know, stayed in contact with his buddies around the world was the NHL hockey game, and your voice was echoing through this house. Uh, we are ecstatic that you have found some peace, uh, between your ears. Uh, we do miss hearing you on the radio every day, but glad that it is for good reasons. We love watching you on TV and seeing you on TV, and uh, hope you will come back and uh, do this again sometime. Well, thank you very much. It was awesome to meet you finally. Um, we've, uh, we've boxed this thing, kicked it back and forth <laughs> for a while here. And, uh, thanks for being persistent to, to get it on. As for the EA game, I love doing it. I, I was a great, great part of my career. It's funny. My voice, I never hear it here. The kids put it on mute. I think they listen to me <laughs> enough and they just play. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm still enjoying what I'm doing. I got, uh, still got some time left and, um, I'd love to come back and we'll see where, where the Canadian teams are after the new year. And maybe that might be a good time to check in. Perfect. Thanks, Ray. Jonah Hare, hope you enjoyed today's episode of In the Press Row with Ray Ferraro. He was awesome. Um, hoping that you enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the best ones we've done. If you or someone you know would like to appear on the Press Row, have them reach out to me, Jonah at yyzsportsmedia.com or on Twitter at yyzsportsmedia. Until next time, we'll see you then. Otherwise, please follow anywhere you listen to these podcasts. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.